we're talking about, and sometimes it's the say, uh, it's teachings by the same rabbi. So we mentioned a rabbi Omar of Gidol Omar Rav. That was the teaching of Rav Gidol Omar Rav that we quoted earlier, and um, uh, he we. we this, uh, we opened up kind of a new subject, which is putting somebody in cherem, which is menuda. How that it, it's similar to oaths in a certain way because you um, you're making a verbal declaration, and it's affecting things. You know, now you can't count him for the minion, and now people have to stay away from him, and and you have to uh, just like an oath that's binding. Uh, words have consequences. They they have meaning. Things happen when you say words. Uh, so too, the, this idea of putting somebody in harem, putting a whammy on him, putting him uh, on a censure, it has. It's not just that, that those words create a reality, and um, uh, the um, uh, that's uh, that's what's called the shamta. Uh, that, uh, but. Uh, so we kind of opened up that subject, and we'll we'll learn more about it. I can't say that, but that's one of the subjects that uh, we've kind of thrown in the the pack. But let's continue on uh, from the bottom line on Zion Amid Beis Seven B, Omer of Gido Omer Rav. We're on starting on the bottom line, Omer of Gido Omer Rav, and again, this is just because we mentioned a quote from him earlier. Uh, and that particular quote that we mentioned what had to do with the laws of uh, Nidui, a person uh, putting a censure. Um, it also was something that a person could do. Sometimes a person does something wrong, and uh, they have to do an action to work on fixing it. So a person, uh, by being put in a kharam, it gave the person a chance uh, to realize that he had done something wrong. And uh, then it, it allowed him to start uh, to uh, not do that again. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's right. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. So, but another teaching of Reb Gidol Omarav. Menayin, how do you know? How do you know that you can swear to keep a mitzvah? Shinamar, as it says, Nishbati vekayem. Uh, I swear to keep the uh, your laws. So um, this seems to say, in other words, you might have said that. Listen, we are, we already signed up. We're already uh, we said at Har Sinai, Hashem, whatever you want, you know, whatever you we will do, we we will hear right. Nishma, whatever whatever you got, we've accepted. So why would I swear to do something that I'm already committed to? We've already sworn, we've already given our word that we are, we are in, we are going to be keeping the, uh, the whole Torah. We're three lines from the top on Chesam and Aleph. So we're dealing with a new teaching of Rav Gidol Amarav, even though typically, as we've said in the past, we don't encourage oaths, but he's saying here that uh, there's a concept of swearing to do a mitzvah. So the Morris says, well, what do you mean? But why would, it's like totally unnecessary. coming to teach us. You can light a fire under yourself. You can, uh, you can, it's permitted for you to swear to do something uh, that is already obligated. Okay, let's take a look. 
there's a rather long um, uh, run over here. Um, let's take a look at it just to start it a little bit. Uh, it's about six lines from the top. Um, it's on the left side. It appears to me, this is the meaning of the Gemara. Initially, we thought that just like if something was totally permitted and you take an oath, and the oath makes it now forbidden, so what about if you take an oath on something you're already obligated? So does that mean if you don't do it, you're not only guilty of not doing the mitzvah, but you'll also get an oath? And initially, that's what the Gemara thought. So the Gemara said, well, what do you mean? Like it says in Shavuos Bastrid, usually when you make an oath, you have to change something. The oath is to do bad or to do good, but meaning that it, until now you weren't obligated to do that, and now you promised. So the Gemara was kind of wondering, how does an oath fit into something that you're already obligated in? The key to Mahani Midal Korban. Well, maybe it's referring to bringing an offering. Gabi Korban Steve Alvo Bal Yachol Ika Filu Bedvar Mitzvah. Maybe uh, it it would apply. So um, again, I, I don't think I want to get into all of this uh, Rashbam. But that, that really, on a deeper level, it's problematic to make an oath on a mitzvah. Let, let's just put it that way. It's uh, the question is what you're adding, and it seems to be a new category that there's this category of it's not really doing much but it, it lights a fire under you it's it's mizarrez you that's that's the way um that's the way we'll understand it but let's go on to the next teaching of Rav Omarav, and we'll see maybe it'll become a little more clear what uh, this new kind of oath is it's called as rizis oath like uh it's a uh, an oath to really make you move a motiv- yeah but but if one did do that then uh, they would be correct. If if it, if the if it would be a regular kind of oath, but we're not calling it a regular kind of oath. We're calling it a zrizis oath. It's uh, it makes it almost seem like um, uh, it's not it's not a regular oath because there's no real um, this this new oath didn't bind you. Usually, when you make an oath, the oath creates something that. Something was permitted, and the oath forbids it, and now if you go and do it, so you've transgressed your oath. Uh, but here, the oath really didn't add anything. Uh, so we're saying that the, the oath just serves to light a fire. It's not a standard oath. That, that's... So that being the case, then maybe uh, it's a good thing to do that. If yeah, yeah. Needs some encouragement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, for example, I could say, okay, I'm supposed to learn Daf Yomi, but I take an oath that, you know what, I am going to learn Daf Yomi. Yeah. So that was the question, and the the answer seems to be that you have this motivational oath. That's uh that's in a new category of its own. That it doesn't it doesn't have the real ramifications of a standard oath. You're already forbidden, but you know it adds. It helps people. Um, uh, a person they gave their word. They used the word shvua. So now all of a sudden, that's uh, Richard say you're going to come to the doc, right, or whatever. It's a uh, it'll help. But let's see more about it. 
Rabbi Stein, yeah. Richard is making a good point. His okay. point is is that if you don't keep your your oath, then you're mechayiv a korban. So if even if you if you're being being mevatel and asay, okay, and you don't do it, and now, now you take an oath to do it, and then you still don't do it, now now you're chayiv a law because you've transgressed your oath, and you have to bring a chassis. You don't bring a chassis for an asay. Right. Correct. Well, so what we're saying so here so is. So there's, there's even, an additional obligation that accrues because of the netter. So we're saying no, that this netter doesn't make an additional obligation. This is just for to light a fire. It's, a, it's an oath of zrizis. It's not a standard oath. It did, that's, it didn't, that's the Kamach Malan, is that that does not happen. Uh, no, no, I, w- I would have thought that, it, that it's, uh, it's a bad thing, that there's not even a need for it, and that you're, the fact that you're allowed to do it, even though it doesn't create a new reality, it doesn't create an additional force, uh, you're allowed to do it because it just uh, is motivational. Uh, but let's see it the more. I don't know. I, I, see, I see the question better than I see the answer. Okay. So that's the discussion over here, really, what the, what, how this fits in. But we're going to have another example of this. Omar, get Omar Rava. Omar, a person says. Ashkim ve'eshna perikzeh. I will wake up, wake up early. That's the word ashkim. I'm going to do hashkama, and I'm going to learn this perik. So, uh, or ashna mesechtaze, or I'm going to learn this mesechta. Zu neder gadol. This is a great vow. Neder leloke Yisrael. This is recommended. This is really a great thing. If you uh, swear that you're going to do uh, wake up early and you're going to learn, that's a great thing. I Well, you've already sworn to keep to learn Torah, and uh, this shvua doesn't add anything. So my kamashmulan, you're right; it doesn't add anything. It's coming to teach you that It's coming to tell you that you're right. That's the same thing we learned before which is uh, you can sometimes swear even though it doesn't add anything and therefore technically the oath will really not um, uh, be binding, but it's, it, the, you're allowed to do it because it lights a fire, it's mizaras you. So the Gemara's question is, Well, we already learned that. This is a total repeat. We already learned Rib Gittel's rule that you can make these little pushes and uh, uh, the even mitzvahs that you're going to do anyways, you can swear. So the Gemara says, how come I shall tell you why you need this oath? Since, well, at Harsinai, you swore you would do a minimum of learning. Technically, it, when you say the Shema in the morning and in the evening, you're doing a minimum of learning. You're saying the Psukim in the Shema, and therefore, it's telling you that this is not just for fun. This is not just to, to light a fire, but this shvua actually um, actually works. It actually is binding to you uh, more than lezruze nashe. But the the oath itself, as as uh, Richard and Dr. Yaffe were saying, uh, creates an additional requirement that wasn't there before. Uh, you were only required to do the minimum of learning. Now you've got to do more. So now here's one of the most famous runs over here. Uh, it's famous because you'll see why in a second because there's this discussion of, uh, of what are we really obligated to learn. Uh, so let's take a look at this run. It's five lines down. 
from the wide lines on the left side. Hakamash Malon, even the Eboy Pater Nashe. So the Ran is really bothered by this. What, what do you mean? Uh, you, you could just really get away with just saying the Shema? That's going to do the trick? Technically, Minatoro, uh, your Torah learning will be sufficient if you just say the Shema. Mistavrili, it's logical to me, the Lav Dafka, that's, it doesn't really mean that you could really get away with that. Uh, don't think, don't, don't, uh, all right, forget about Dafyobi. I'm just going to say Shema twice a day. That'll do the trick. Uh, why? Shari Chayev, and why does that, why do you, we're forced to say that? Shari Chayev, Kol Adam Lilmo Tamid. Because every person is obligated to learn constantly, day and night. Kafi Koko, according to what they're capable of. So you can't get away with just saying Shema and saying, well, I didn't, I remember those psukim, I learned Torah, that's enough. He says, no. He says, you're obligated to learn uh, day and night as much as you can. It says, not only are you obligated to learn, but it uses the word, it doesn't say lilmod, it says vishinan. It says you learn until it's sharp. You have to learn so that the words of Torah are in your, uh, sharp in your mouth, that you can instant recall. And if somebody asks you, you're not going to hesitate. You're going to say, you know it right away. So, um, and if you just said the words of Kriyashma in the morning and the evening, lo so that's not going to do the trick. So the, the Ron's asking a, a strong question here, really. What's our Gemara saying? That, you know, you could technically uh, fulfill your Torah mitzvah by the Shema in the morning and in the evening. You've got to learn all the time. Not only you've got to learn all the time, you've got to know it all so that if somebody asks you, you don't hesitate. It's, uh, you know, you're going to be pretty busy if you, to fulfill your obligation in learning. el nearly. From here it appears to me, uh, he wants to say the, the answer of the Gemara with a different concept. Anything that we learn out from Madrasha, even though it's a Torah Drasha, since it's not written clearly in the Pasuk, then an oath will work. He's trying to say that the, even those things that we infer or we interpret, uh, even though they're Minah Torah, um, it's not the same as if it's clearly written. So you can make an oath on something. It doesn't clearly say that you have to learn every second of the day like that. So therefore, if you made an oath that I'm going to learn this, that would be binding. I could have said, when I wake up and when I go to bed with Krishna, therefore the Shavua works on here, Legamri, I feel the Korban. In this case, it's, uh, a person would even be obligated to bring a korban if he doesn't do the learning that he promised. When he said the words for everything, he says, I brought, I brought proofs to this, this concept. Okay. So this comes out, it's a little bit more than what we were saying before, that it's just lizruze nashe, but this is a neder gado, this is 100%. Yeah. It seems like we can, 
we're using the terms Netter and Shavua almost interchangeably. Is that what's going on? That's what's going on, correct. That's a different run. Um, the war itself seems to do that, the step above. Yes. Um, that's right. So let's. Uh, so I thought I would get away with skipping Iran. Now you're going to force me to do the Iran. Let's do the earlier Iran, <laughs> the last skinny line. So um, uh, we, we call this a netter, and then the Gemara said, well, we have an oath, uh, a shvua. And, and a netter and a shvua work differently. Klomer, Vade Afogaf the Kormor's netter gadol. Even though we said this is a big netter, actually what we meant was a shvua commerce. We meant it's a big shvua. Um, since you forbid something on yourself, less of the essay, it's not only a, a positive, elevated shvua, you mean an oath, can it, like we find in many times the korile le shvua netter. So the, the earlier Ron addresses Steve's issue. The Gemara pretty much uses the terms interchangeably. Sometimes there is, there is a difference between a netter and a shvua. But sometimes we interchange the use of the words. Again, the question is that we find this use of neder and shrua interchangeably. So, yeah, that's correct. Okay, back to the Gemara. Yeah. Wait a minute. According to that, that earlier run that you read, so he's saying that the, this shavua adds an additional component because it's not for something that's not Bafurish and the Pasuk? Correct. That's what, that what the, he said? That's what he says, yeah. In other, in other words, he's saying that if you are Mikabal to do something that you know to do only because of Teresh Baal but you don't clearly see it in Teresh Bixav, that that adds something, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe you could you could make an oath about many, many mitzvahs. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, correct, right. That's right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're saying a general state, I'm going to do mitzvahs, right? It has to be a very specific uh, type of thing. Um, right, right. So that's a good point. So it's interesting, this opens up a lot of questions. But I, again, I, what I would say is that there, there's two possibilities here. One is that this is what's called Nidre's reason, which is, it's not a, it doesn't, it doesn't actually create this additional forbiddenness. It's already quite forbidden as it is. It's just to give yourself a push. Or no, on certain cases, it adds something new, especially where the Torah didn't actually write it directly. And so in those cases, uh, it would apply. But again, you have this discussion about what the, what the minimum learning is. And then you have this other round that explains that you do find a certain interchangeable, uh, the use of the word netter or shua. Back to the Gemara. Another teaching of Rav Gidol in the middle of the page. Omar Rav Omar You tell your buddy, Nashkim and Nishna Perakzu. You say, let's learn together. Let's wake up early and learn this Perak. Ola Lahashkim. You got to get there first. In other words, when you said, I'm going to, uh, Nashkim means, I will precede you. 
How do you know it means you'll get there first? So over here, Hashem calls out Yechesko and he says, V'yomer Eli, kum, get up, say El Abika. He says, I'll meet you in the valley and Risham Adaber, there I've got a message for you. The Eitz El Abika and Yechesko went out to the valley, V'nei Sham kavod Hashem. Usually the prophet comes there and then Hashem's presence comes down. But here, since you, uh, you made the appointment, you have to be there first. And so here also, when you tell a person that I'm going to wake up and uh, I'll meet you there, so you've got, uh, you got to be there first um, uh, to be there. Um, mm-hmm. There's no Lushen of Nether here at all. He's just saying, let's get up and study. Yeah, okay. Why, why is that given the weight of a nether? Um, now this is this isn't a, this isn't a teaching about a nether. This is just teaching about getting there first. This this teaching of Rav Gidol. It's just another teaching of of Rav Gidol. But it seems as though he made a statement. So it's, you're taking this upon yourself. You have to fulfill it. Ha'omer lechaveru. You tell your friend, let's wake up early and learn this parak. So, Olav Lahashkim, it's on him to wake up first. Uh, he, he has that obligation. Now, he took on an obligation, so he has that obligation. Um, yeah, but I think the point that we're trying to make is not so much um, that, uh, that since he, he, he said, let's do this, so he, in effect, is saying, I will, I will have to, if I, if I start something, I've got to be there to be there first. Um, okay. I, I just I don't I'm not sure if the focus is on that it's a netter. Uh, I think the focus is on the getting there early. I think that's that's how I understood it. Rabbi Shani, you, you notice the word Allah over there. Remember, we said a lot about the word Allah. Mm-hmm. We were redying that one earlier, but but it, it could be you're right. It could be just about timing this one. I'm not netter. Um, yeah. But Allah means uh, that is sort of he has an obligation on him. Maybe I guess. Yeah, there is a Rebbe Kieger seems to comment on this word "o love," but uh, that's why the baseball is there. But I, I think it's probably more complicated. Okay, new halach. Omer Rebbe Yosi, What happens? A person has a bad dream. In his dream, uh, they put him in censure. He gets a nidoy in his dream. Not a good dream. So when he wakes up, Surak Adam He's got to get a base in. He's got to get ten people, get a minion together to take off the uh, the cherub. Yeah. Uh, now, those people that you uh, get to take off the cherem, the tani hilkasa, you need people that actually are tanoi, that learn Gemara. Abu Masnu, velo tanu lo. But if all they do is learn Mishnah and they haven't graduated yet to Gemara, Gemara is the elite. It's the, uh, one of the amazing things of Dafyomi is that, that uh, it, uh, it enabled people to learn Gemara. You know, like it's. It, we're very fortunate to learn Gemara. Gemara is really the, uh, there's very deep uh, hidden uh, things and understanding of Chazal that are in Gemara. And uh, if you're, uh, when people memorize things, uh, if you waited till you learned all the Mishnayis, you probably would never get to Gemara. You know, like the, so it, but we, we have to feel that we're fortunate to learn Gemara. We're saying here, if you have people that only learn Mishnah, they're not going to make it. They can't nullify it. The Eleko, well, what happens if your city, the Eleko, the Tani Hilkli, you don't have 10 people who learn Gemara? Afilu Masnu, below Tanu. Bidiyevid, you could do, these people that learn Mishnah could be in the group. The Eleko, what happens if you can't find uh, even that? 
So you're in trouble because you're in, in, in your dream, you got a sign from Hashem that uh, he ain't happy with you. So uh, this is what you should do. You should go and hang out in a busy spot. And give Shalom Aleichem to 10 people. Because they'll give you a bracha back if you have 10 people wishing you Shalom. So that'll protect you. If you have 10 people that greet you and give you a bracha, until you can get your 10 together, you'll be protected. Very interesting concept. That, uh, it's like a stalling tactic. A stalling tactic, correct. What happens if in your dream you know who put you in cherem? In other words, it's, it's a certain... It, it wasn't... Uh, you know who made the complaint. So instead of uh, having to get 10, can you go to that person, Mahu Delishrile, which you can go to that rabbi who in your dream was angry with you, can you go to them to take it off? Let's say it wasn't a dream, it was real, and that rabbi put it on, that rabbi could take it off. So now that it's, instead of having to get 10, can you just go to the one in your dream who put it on? Uh, so, Omer Le, Shavi Shliach. He said, no, in the dream, he was made a messenger to get you in trouble. Le Mishrele, lo shavi shliach. But to take it off, that he wasn't. You need to get the 10. Uh, the, the, Hashem decided to send you a message through that particular rabbi that uh, you're in Kerem. But he, he didn't necessarily make him the messenger to remove it. Amarle. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it, this is really an oddball comment, but again, I'm. I'm, I'm still stuck on this business of Mechiris Yosef, right? Th- this Gemara is, it, it, to me, is, is very reminiscent of that. Yosef had a dream, and it was because of the dream that he went to, that, that when he went to the ten brothers, they put him in Cheyre. And he went, the language of the Chumash is, that Yaakov told him, go see Shalom Ochicha. So he went to them to tell them Shalom Aleichem. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Is, is, is there anybody? Is there anybody who who you know uh, who, who makes that parallel that you've seen? No, I, I didn't see much over here. Um, but I, I think it's an important point that there was a harem there that uh, that the brothers put on Yosef. Uh, and uh, really, they put it on anybody who would tell the father. Or there, there is a discussion of harem over there. The, um, and uh, there's a certain question why Yosef, uh, um, even if the brothers misjudged him, at the end of the day, there was a minion that, uh, that was uh, uh, put him under a nidoy, under, under some form of harem. Yeah. And, and we did make the distinction a moment ago of stalling versus a, a relief. Right, right. So, I hear. So, What happens if they put the cherem on in the dream and then you kept on dreaming and then they took it off? So you got this very negative sign that, you know, that Hashem is angry with you and that the Rav put the person in cherem. But the good news was at the end of the dream, they took it off. So are you home free or not? This is an expression. It's impossible uh, to have wheat without a little bit of stubble in it, a little bit of straw mixed in your wheat. Your wheat was done in the, on the grass. There'll be a piece of grass in it. It's impossible to have a dream that's fully true. 
Let's see the Rashi on the left side. Ah, let's see Rashi. Kaki the fact that they took it off, maybe that was the part that wasn't true. So, therefore, just to be sure, you better go to get a minion together and take it off. Um, I've seen people that have had that, you know, that have tried, they've got a minion. That, again, that's typically what, um, we don't actually do this here. I, so I, I was in shuls where they would get a minion before Rosh Hashanah to remove a nidui in case a person had... Uh, put on a manidoy that the ten people we always get three, you know. But there is a thing. There are some people that get ten, and have the ten remove if a person uh, put himself in nidoy, or was put in nidoy. Um, if a person has this dream, they should ask a shaila, you know. That, uh, but uh, it's just interesting that this concept that it's impossible to have a dream that's all true. Um, Let's take a look at the top run. Keshem, uh, four lines up, uh, the top line. Keshem sheepshu the bar below tevin. It's impossible to have wheat without a piece of straw. To exceed, asher ito chalum, my letevin as a bar. B'tzorachin, it would be a wonder, b'misha nadu b'chalum, if somebody got put into cherem in a dream, im sorachlanir b'kol dine menuda. Do you have to actually, is, is this real? <laughs> is this, we said you got to get it nullified. Does that mean you got to follow the laws of somebody that's been put in cherem? It's archian. It, you have to really think about this. Well, Mr. Lee, and it's logical to me, even though it said if you get put in cherem, you need to get it taken off in the dreams. He says, you know, you shouldn't learn. But what about if you made a vow in your dream? So it, just like the the cherem uh, is a vow put on you and you got to get it taken off, what about if in your dream you promise something? Do you need to get it taken off? He said, don't learn from here. Over here, when a person gets that dream, we're afraid that God's telling them something. Hashem is, is angry with them. But on the other hand, if you just made a promise in your dream, that doesn't, that's not a message from God. You, you were thinking about it, so you, you dreamt that you made this shvua. Oh, so that's what he wants to say, but the Rashba said, you better go to Bezdin and get that vow taken off. What, you know, if you made it... That's always been a question. Um, first of all, there's two types of dreams. There, there's a, a dream that's in totally subconscious, and then there's a dream that you're half awake for. Uh, and so if you're half awake, on some level, you went along with it. There are dreams that, you, that are, you're totally not aware of, and there are dreams that you are aware of, and so maybe, uh, maybe it has something to it. Uh, and then there are dreams that and th- those were thoughts that you were thinking during the day, and so you influenced your dream, and then there are dreams that are total messages. But at any rate, it's just the interesting story. Next line in the Gemara. Ravina, two lines from the top. Ravina, Havile Nedre Lidabisa. Ravina's wife uh, had made a vow, and she needed it nullified. So, Asa Kameda Ravashi. And he went to Ravayashi, and he said, Omelay Baal, Mashiach, can I take off my wife's vow? My wife, I don't want to make the women come to Beisden, as we've always said that it's, uh, it's uh, not so sneeze and the women are not so comfortable in Beisden. 
So can I be the messenger for my wife to remove her? Now, this is not just to remove her vow. This is to, to express her regret. Uh, some kinds of vows, you have to be able to show that you really wouldn't have made them, that you have harata. So he's saying, um, can I express my wife's regret? Omele, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, why does he have to go that far? I mean, the husband's allowed to remove it from the nether of the wife. Uh, so that Rashi answers that question. Let's look at Rashi. Uh, three lines from the top on the left side of the he, he didn't do it right away. <laughs> he could have, according to Rashi, but he blew it. So now they need to go. The, in other words, you always have the, the, the quickest route would be for the husband not to let that netter. But uh, he, he somehow, according to Rashi, I think he was bothered by your question. That's the way Rashi learned that he didn't do it. So can they now do the long route and go to Beisden and, and work with Harata? This is this is Ravina's wife. So if the if the Baal comes to Ravashi, so this is Ravina coming to his Harusa, Ravashi, because Ravina and, and Ravashi were the ones who were Masada the Gemara, right? Right, that's right. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. So uh Omar Leh, he answered him, well, if you have the ten people together you could do it. Elo lo. But if they're not already there, you, you don't gather them special for that. You see from here three things. You see he could be a messenger for his wife. And you often find that, that sometimes specifically during Hattoris Nadorim, the husband will say, I'm asking on behalf of my wife. And why didn't he himself do it? He himself, Ravina, was certainly quite capable of, of doing vows. So you see, though, that if your Rebbe is there, you should go to your Rebbe to do that, just out of respect. It'd be better to go to him. Uh, they, they also point out a different question here. There's a nice long run on this. Uh, how could you do your own wife's netter? Can you, it's a rabbinic function, but don't you avoid doing things that are f- as close as your own wife? And you see from here, if you did have the group together, shepherd them. Um, let's take a look. Let's do some of the runs. The, the challenge here with the runs, the runs are amazing. It's just they're long. And it's just not typical for us to have the time to do every word of the run. On the other hand, it'd be, it's, it's, it's very good to do parts of the run, but then I lose you because it's hard to follow. But let's take a little look. So Rashi never quoted this because Rashi lived before the Rambam. Uh, here the run is going to quote the Rambam. Um, I had a Rebbe who used to read it like this, Harambamazel. <laughs> That's Harambamzal is really what the... But the way the Ran writes it is Harav Moshe Bamazel, you know. Then Moshe Zichrona Levracha. So it, it, we read it Rambam, but he's Haram Bamazel is the way the uh, the Ran reads it. Anyway, It's just fascinating now if you study Rambam. Now the Ran, the Ran quotes the Rambam a lot in the in the explanation. He says the Gemara's question is only about a husband working for the wife. Let's say she wants to send her brother or something. That won't work. Uh, you need the person who made the vow to stand in front of the court. So it could be that the husband is, is, is a stand-in for his wife. So then he wants to go into that discussion. Uh, is it only the husband who potentially could, but not someone else. Um, 
And uh, let's skip to the next run. It's about six lines down uh, in the wide lines. Shmamina, you see from here, lo yali lemishri nedra basi. It's not proper for a person to to uh, um, to nullify a vow in the place of his rabbi. Apparently, his version. There's an extra word in there that's a little different from our, but it's the same same as what our Gemara meant. You see that a person, uh, it's lo yali means it's not proper to do it in front of his rabbi. Lo yali enu nira klomar. Because how do you see it? Because otherwise Ravino himself would have done it. If you're a Kohen and you see blemishes, you can see anybody's blemish except for your own. Ramir says, You can't do your relatives. So, But you can't nullify your own. Ravino says, even the vows of your wife should be that affect other people. And it sounds like that's the halacha. So how could our imply that the only reason he went to Ravashi was because he was his Rebbe? If not, he would have done it himself. I thought a person can't nullify their own wives because they're too close. He wants to say that since you don't do it alone, you're part of a group, then you could. In other words, if you were the only one doing it, it would look funny for you to nullify your own wife's vow. But since you're getting a minion together, then you could. Uh, and you would be allowed. That's what he wants to answer. But it's part of a bigger discussion. Um, and uh, uh, if you have time, again, it's a fascinating run. Back to the Gemara. Um, Vishamta. Uh, right in the middle of the page, if you, to put a cherem, so we just said that uh, to do a vow, to get a vow nullified, that you shouldn't do if your Rebbe's there. Out of respect, he should be the one to do it. But what about if somebody needs to be put in cherem? So that you can do, even though you, you don't have to ask your Rebbe first, you can do that on your own. The yachid mumcha, and if you have a, uh, a great rav, then he could even permit a shamta by himself. Shari shamta. Okay, a lot of rabbis here for it. I, I got it to teaching. It says the following, uh, the, Here comes the sun. I will shine for you the sun. Many of the Nevi'im promise a sunny day, that there'll be better sunny days. You wake up and it's gloomy, it's dark, and the, the sunny days are coming. I will shine the sun for you uh, and uh, in the future. So what exactly is this in reference to? So he says, Those people who live their life and are afraid to take Hashem's name in vain, so they will get the bracha of the sun. Shemesh Daka Umarta. They will get the healing uh, in, uh, in the future. They will get, merit the special healing powers of the sun uh, because they are people that are careful with Hashem's honor and they don't take his name in vain. Amr Abayu Shmamina. You see from here, Kigri de Yomat Masi. You see from here that the dust of the sun, the dust of the day heals. That when you see the dust in the sun, certain time of day where the you see the particles in the air in the sun, that that's a healing, a healing time. That's what he wants to say. Uh, and again, that's from the 
um, uh, that's uh, that's a drasha that uh, the that specifically that people that are careful not to take Hashem's name in vain, they will experience the healing powers of the sun. Uh, this um, this sounds like even um, when will this be? I guess this is Lasu Lava. Okay, Upligi. Um, but this drasha argues on a different drasha. The Rav Shimon ben Lakish, on Reish Lakish, uh, first wide line, he says, This isn't Lassid Lavo, this isn't Messianic times that we will be healed by the sun. There's the idea that when Mashiach comes, a lot of the, the Hashem will allow certain healing powers. But he says this is reference to a, a uh, there's a certain natural time called Lassid Lavo, uh, when Mashiach comes, which is very much a natural time. And then there's the time of Tchiyas HaMesim, where the dead will come back and the wicked will be punished. And that time is more magical. So that time, he says, what's going to happen? So he says that Hashem will use the same thing that causes the good can cause the bad. He says, They don't need to go to a certain place. Hashem will take the ozone off the sun. Those that have been righteous, they'll get better from it. And those that have been wicked, they are going to burn. Uh, and not only will Sadiqim get healed, they will enjoy the tan. They will enjoy the sun. It'll be a vacation for them. They will, there's certain, uh, sometimes the, uh, the, uh, the, today they discourage it because it causes skin cancer, but they used to be that it was the thing to do to just go and sit in the sun and just like, you know, and, you know, let just, you know, uh, you know, wear, you know, a bathing suit and go out and sit in the sun as long as you could and you would enjoy it. So the Sadiqim, they will, the sun will be a delight for them. Whereas the Rishoyim, it's not going to be fun. The day will come where the, the, it'll burn like an oven. They'll get cooked alive. So the, it's a very interesting concept uh, that uh, the world, the same world that we exist in, uh, the, the, uh, the, same, the same sun that's going to be uh, punish the wicked is going to reward the Sadiqim. Again, it's a question, is it this world? Is it the next world? Let's do one rush, one run just for fun. Last three lines from the bottom. In Gehenim, Lasilavo, there's no Gehenim. You don't have to go anywhere in the future. There'll be Gehenim right away. So he says, The Ran says, wait a second. Of course there's Gehenim. We're not talking about after you die. That's basic belief that after a person dies, if they need to, they're going to go to Gehenim. Uh, because that's for sure. Devada Ike Gehenna and Rishoyim. They got a place to go to after they die. El Alasi Lava, we're talking about in the future. After the dead come back. Those wicked that will be held up for a permanent, uh, lifelong embarrassment, eternal embarrassment that Daniel talks about. They don't have to go to a different place. El Bahai Din, the same judgment that Hashem does. He does this global warming. Shekodesh Bar Yotzichai takes this, the, the ozone, the layer off the sun. Kadeshiu Elo Mitzdarin. The purpose is that some people are going to be afflicted. 
Whereas the Sadiqim will be healed. But that's the, a magical thing after the dead come alive. That's not uh, the, uh, what's going to happen in the immediate future. Okay, we will stop.